Welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including that evil wreath from The Nightmare Before Christmas, Krampus's cursed hat, evil mistletoe from hell, and the secret present the demon bot got us last year, but is too embarrassed to give us even now. Mm. I'm Roxy Polk. I'm Mikey McCaller, and uh, it's been too long for us to open this present. It would be awkward now. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, like, mention it here to you specifically and not, like, mm-hmm. with an earshot of Demon Bond. Um, I, at least I hope not. <laughs> so let's start out, Mikey, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones? Roxy, I began playing a video game. Okay. A little something you might have heard of. I don't know why I'm saying it like I'm about to talk about like a uh, Titanic a movie everyone's <laughs> heard of. Uh, it's a it's kind of an under the radar game. Uh, have you played Inscription? I have not played it, but I've seen some like snippets or like the first hour or so of it. That game is wild. So you're you're playing it? I'm playing it. It's so scary. There is a man in the shadows <laughs> sitting across from me who is an upsetting man. Mm-hmm. I don't care for him. Man, quote unquote. <laughs> creepy little eyes looking over at me. And But you're playing like a card game. You're flipping out, uh, putting down cards, playing them, attacking. It's like, like the Yu-Gi-Oh. Cards are alive, aren't they? Yes. And the cards <laughs> all have little personalities and they're all scary in their own ways, but they're your <laughs> friends. Um, and it just goes in some wild places. It's like also kind of an escape room, which is oh. my, very much my jam. You can get up from that. the table. Yes. What? Okay. That's wild. You get up, you start looking around the room and you're finding there's like a clock that you can adjust and make a puzzle it's it's very scary and it's kind of scary in like this meta sense in that like you don't know what's going on and uh it it keeps like subverting your expectations as to who you are as the player and what's happening to you and what your hopes are of surviving this it's very cool it kept me off base the whole time it's a great game go pick it up it's inscription it's on every platform at this point i think i'm not getting paid for it but it sure sounds like i am I mean, yeah, that that sounds very cool. And like, I don't know, we, we like horror things here. It's nice to be able to recommend other horror types of media to folks. Mm-hmm. Roxy, what's been scaring you this week, huh? So the thing that's been scaring me this week was after we watched this week's movie, which, spoiler alert, it's Black Christmas from 1974. Don't get at me, demon bot. We'll just pretend I didn't say it when he shows up later. <laughs> um, so after I watched that, I was like, well, they made two more remakes of this, and I think I was watching it on Tubi, and it just started auto-playing the sequel. Oh. Um, or not sequel, sorry, the remake from, uh, like, 2006. So I was like, Okay, I heard this movie was bad, but I'll see it, so maybe we'll have some talking points, or just just because, I guess, because it's a horror movie I haven't seen. That's more than enough reason for me to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awful. It was so oh, no. bad. It was just, like, gross and mean and oh. badly made, badly written, and it just ruined my whole night. I was like, man... 1974 one, pretty fun. Oh, wow, 2006 one ruined my whole night. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Roxy, can you give me just one example of what made this the worst movie it sounds like you've ever seen in your life? Oh, God. Uh, well, it's it's very evidently made by the Weinsteins. 
Like, they had a big hand, obviously, in how it was produced. Uh, So there's two killers, and one of them is a child of incest. There's some really gross incest stuff that happens in this movie for no reason. Hmm. And they have the woman being played by, like, a guy, and I'm not sure what they're trying to say about that, but it feels like they did something gross and weird, as, Hmm. as if they're trying to be, like... Oh, someone who's not traditionally attractive in the way all of these sorority girls are has to be evil, right? They have to be. <laughs> so yeah, just some really some really gross stuff for like no reason. Like why why did you write that? Okay. Sure. Hmm. What <laughs> Well, that's too bad. I'm sorry you were subjected to that. I subjected myself to it, so you know, I, I only have myself to blame, but I also didn't make the movie. It's their fault. I for had a fun, it. scary thing, and you had a bad, scary thing. Yeah, it scared truly. me the, the depths to which human creativity can slump to. Yeah, really. Well, speaking of the horrible things, something can slump to. <laughs> Demonbot makes us watch movies. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's really of all the curses we could have, the demon vod did pretty right by us. I mean, he didn't make us watch the 2006 one, so he he was looking out <laughs> for us. Let us watch 1974 one. So th- thanks, I guess. I'm grateful for Demon Pot <laughs> uh, today, anyhow. this week. Here hey, he is buddy. doing his thing. Mikey and Roxy, this week you were assigned the 1974 film Black Christmas which everyone already knows because you stepped on my bit. I have one job to do around here, and you took it from me. All right. Poor DemonBot. DemonBot, you're part of the crew. That's why you're here. You're not here for no reason. You know that, right? Roxy, he's tearing up. Oh, look at him. Look at him. He's he's sniffling. I love you guys, too. He's sweet. He's a sweetheart. (laughs) He's just, he's just a little embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikey, this week we watched Black Christmas from 1974. Uh, so, how about for people listening up at the basement door in, in the snow, because it's winter time right now. It is. And it's uh, <laughs> there is no roof on the house. <laughs> the scary basement. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's warm them up with a little plot recap for my christmas hell yeah a mystery killer enters a sorority house during a christmas party and sneaks into the attic the phone in the house then rings and it's an obscene caller who has done this before he's done it enough that the girls have even given him a nickname the moaner the girls gather round, scared until barb resident take no shit girl takes the phone and insults him which he then responds by saying he'll kill them and hangs up. Another girl in the sorority, Claire, packs to leave for the holidays, but is killed by an unseen man who wraps her body in plastic and drags her to the attic, displaying her in a rocking chair by the window. The next morning, Claire's uptight father shows up to pick her up, but when Claire fails to show up, he goes to the sorority house and talks to the house mother, Mrs. McHenry, who suggests the father go to the fraternity house. For a party. See if he can find a daughter there. Later, Jess meets up with her weird, overbearing boyfriend, Peter, and tells him that she's pregnant and won't be keeping the baby. Peter is extremely angry and calls her names and says they will talk more in the evening. At the police station, Claire's dad, Barb, 
and Phil try to report Claire missing to the police. The police don't take things seriously until Claire's boyfriend shows up and yells at them. Mm. We also learn that another local girl, Janice, has disappeared. A search party for the two missing girls begins. House mother Mrs. McHenry goes to the attic and finds Claire's dead body. But the killer is lying in wait and kills her with a crane hook, which is hanging. <laughs> From the ceiling. Meanwhile, outside, the search party finds the missing girl Janice, who is sadly very dead. <laughs> there is then a call at the sorority house, again from the moaner, who quotes to Jess part of the conversation she had earlier with Peter. She's then jump scared by Peter, who comes to the house to talk to her. Peter just doesn't know how to read the room or respect his girlfriend, as he becomes very pushy trying to get Jess to marry him. Jess refuses. She does not want to marry him now or ever and does not want his baby. Peter leaves, fuming, and passes a police officer who finds the interaction and Peter himself quite troubling. Then he and his 1974 tech squad <laughs> bug the phone line so they can attempt to trace the harassing phone caller. Jess overhears Barb waking up from a nightmare. Barb says that she saw a man walk into her room, but she was just dreaming. Jess calms her down, then answers the door to a bunch of caroling children. While Jess is downstairs being serenaded with Christmas tunes, Barb is upstairs getting murdered with a glass unicorn figure. After the murder, the moaner calls the house again, once again referencing Jess's argument with Peter. The cops couldn't trace the call this time, but theorized to Jess that Peter may be the culprit. Phil checks on Barb and is then killed off screen. <laughs> Jess answers yet another phone call from the moaner. This time, the call is long enough to let them know that the call is coming from inside the house. Gasp. Concern Concerned for her friends, Jess goes to check on them and finds Barb and Phil's dead bodies, and then sees the killer's eye through a crack in the door as he begins to advance on her. Jess slams the door on the killer and runs to the basement to hide and locks the door before the killer can get to her. The killer bangs on the door, then leaves and opens the front door. Jess then sees Peter skulking around the basement window, calling out her name, and then he breaks a window. Jess uses the fire poker to kill Peter in self-defense, believing he is the killer. The police arrive and find Jess comatose with Peter's dead body next to her. The police then put her to bed and sedate her as if she needed to be knocked out even further for some reason <laughs> and carry out the dead bodies of Phil and Barb. They all then vacate the house, leaving Jess alone within this empty house and a single cop guarding the entrance outside. It's then that we, the audience, hear the killer's voice coming from the attic and seeing that the dead bodies of Claire and Mrs. McHenry were never discovered. The killer is still alive and in the house, and Jess, completely defenseless. Her fate is left unknown as the movie ends. Roxy, that is Black Christmas. That's Black Christmas. So this movie, mm -hmm. it came out like four years before Halloween. This is like the first slasher movie. Yeah, it's actually what inspired Halloween to a degree. Uh, they're both very much their own things, but you can see with the opening shots being POVs from the killer. Mm -hmm. Um it definitely were taking a page from from this director's book, which I think uh, he even said that for Halloween, he used this movie as inspiration. Um, John Carpenter did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. This movie kind of rules. It does. It's very good. And like dealing with a lot of progressive things for the time period, like the mm -hmm. main final girl is pregnant and is very confident about taking control of her own body and her own life. 
knowing yeah. that she's not ready to have a kid and it wouldn't be good for the kid or herself. So she's going to make a choice for herself and get an abortion. Uh, yeah. That's a perfectly fine thing to do. Um, and then her and her her boyfriend is a piece of shit about it and kind of gets what's coming to him. It like yeah. really feels like, you know, we always talk about how like these movies have a very, especially slasher movies, have this very clear indication for morality. Like who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Because they get killed in violent and brutal ways, like, she murdered this man. And it did feel like, throughout this movie, the filmmakers of this movie are super pro-abortion and super pro-women having their own choices, which in the 70s feels more progressive than it even does today. Um, But it was very cool to see. And, like, with Barb and stuff, like, Barb drinks and takes no shit and is, like, kind of a menace, but also she's, like, cool. And she, like... (laughs) When they're giving the information to the police about the missing sorority girl, Claire, like, instead of giving the police her actual number, she has a very long extended joke with this, like, Barney Fife cop who is not (laughs) taking them seriously and says, like, the extension for their number is fellatio Mm -hmm. or something. And it's a very long extended joke. And then later in the movie, they cut to just like the other cops laughing at that guy because he didn't know what it was. And they were like, oh, she gave it to you, did she? (laughs) We have to talk about these two characters, uh, Barb and Officer Nash is this guy's name, who she gives the fellatio number to. Because uh I think they are the secret sauce of this movie. Barb in which way? Is played by she's played by Margot Kidder, who had gone to play Lois Lane in the Superman movies from mm-hmm. the 70s. She is one of the best characters in any horror movie I've ever seen. Like she's immediately, great. Like I was upset that she ended up not being the main character and she kind of gets yeah. sidelined for most of the movie. It does feel like it's going to be her movie because we get at the very beginning. She has this conversation with her mom mm, that is like kind yeah. of layered. It's one sided, with- too. Yes. Like, so it's just all her acting. And it's very, like, it, it, it feels, like, depressing. And I wrote down, I was like, they better, she'd better not be the first victim. Because yeah. they give this really, like, kind of sad conversation to her where she just tells her mom, it's like, well, why can't I come? And so it's like, we're finding out that her mom is telling her she can't spend Christmas with her. Yeah, because she's, like, going on a trip with her new boyfriend or something. Right. And, like, the other sorority girls, they seem to kind of empathize and realize something's going on. Because right after that phone call, Barb is like, okay, well, fuck that. I'm going to go on a trip with my friends. So she's like, hey, you guys want to go to this place at this time? And they're like, yeah, sure, Barb. And then when she walks away, they kind of, like, look at her with a pitying look. Because they're like, we know why she wants to go at that point in time. uh, Because her family is not letting her come home. It's really heartbreaking, and it's a really easy way to, like, get us on this character's side, because she then proceeds to do some shitty things. She's, like, really yeah. mean to uh, Claire, the extra virginal who ends up being the first victim, mm-hmm. <laughs> who, like, makes fun of her for never having sex and has a really brutal, like, well, you know, we shouldn't go out. The townies, that townie just got raped, and Margot Kidder's <laughs> like townies can't get raped i was like holy shit yeah it was really fucked up it was a very fucked up thing to say and they're all like barb what the fuck yeah but it was just like that character in that moment is just like this really like complex contradictory character who i both pity and hate and think is funny like what an incredible character Well, she's like hurt it's hurt people lashing out and hurting other people she's doing it as like a self-defense mechanism maybe to make herself feel better like, you can tell when she says it, she doesn't feel good about it, but she's still saying it. Yeah. Uh, which is, like, a very hard kind of thing to nail 
as an actress. So it it comes yeah. across very well. She does a it's, very good job. She's just an incredible character. And then the other funniest character is this Officer Nash, who <laughs> is just shit on the entire movie. Like, and he doesn't everybody... even seem to realize it. <laughs> no, he has no idea. But he is just <laughs> constantly... He is not only fucking up, but everybody is telling him to his face. They're like, you're a piece of shit <laughs> and you're bad at your job. And he's just like stuck behind a desk. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he like, nods along. The funniest character in all of movies. I loved him so much. I wanted him to be the killer. I wanted him to <laughs> finally be like, I snapped. You guys made fun of me because I don't know what sex words mean. And so, yeah, I went and killed a bunch of sorority girls. <laughs> Yeah, if they hadn't set him up to be so clearly like the comic relief just stuck at the police station, I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe that would have been a funny angle to go for. (sighs) Also, the lieutenant who like takes point during the investigation. Did you recognize Mm -hmm. him, Mikey? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I recognized him from Nightmare on Elm Street. I recognized him more from Wes Craven's new Nightmare than I did from the original (laughs) Nightmare Uh on Elm Street. But... (laughs) Just because they, like, said his name out loud so much in that movie, they're like, oh, are you going to go talk to John? And Mm -hmm. so when John popped up, I was like, oh, I know him because as an actor, he was a character (laughs) in a movie. (laughs) So his name resonated with me. Yeah, that was very cool to see. He's just a a good cop. He just plays a cop. Yeah. He's just just a good cop. cop. (laughs) Can you imagine having your whole Hollywood career being just like, I'm the guy they call when they need a cop? There's plenty of people who, like, that is their career, you know? Yeah, I guess Dennis Franz from NYPD Blue. Yeah, what about Columbo? Has Columbo, Columbo played anything a cop? else? <laughs> Only Columbo. All- I don't know if he ever played a different cop, though, actually. <laughs> I'm sure I if guess- I thought about it harder, I could think, like, what is someone who's played a cop in, like, a million different things? I guess Bruce yeah. Willis is a cop all the time. There he we go. He a cop a lot. <laughs> it does feel like uh, it was unfair to say TV characters who are playing the same cop for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's not really what we're talking about. <laughs> So we we had talked a little bit about how this was kind of the first slasher movie. Mm-hmm. How do you think this held up like on its own versus like the historical context of being such like an important watershed movie? Um, I think it held up pretty well. The only thing is that it felt like it kind of dragged at times where we, we're seeing a lot of the same scene. Like so many calls of the caller just calling into the house mm-hmm. and them just kind of like walking around, plodding around. Um, so, like, some things seem like maybe the scene's a little too long, or maybe there's too many of the same scene. But, like, other than that, it's a, a pretty concise movie showing what it's trying to show. And, like, with the killer POV, I think this movie is credited with one of the first times that is used. And, like, we we only see the killer from another character's perspective once, which is seeing his eye through the door when Jess sees him after An discovering two of the dead bodies. Yeah, his eye is really weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the only time we we see that all the other times when we see the killer it's his pov there's even this point in the attic where like he kind of just throws shit around because he's like mad or something yeah and like there's some sort of weird backstory which we didn't really like mention it specifically in the summary but like the times when he's calling when he's not just like saying obscene things and like breathing into it He's or like quoting back conversations that Jess had. He's playing out some sort of scene, possibly mm-hmm. from his childhood or something that he's recreating with like different voices that seems to be like different child voices, like screaming, like, stop, don't do that. Or like there's two different names that the, come the up. Calls, 
the way the calls are edited is like this really interesting like it, it almost feels like they're chopped up and put like on top of each other so it, mm. it's like really disconcerting so it's like you're hearing the killer and like he's screaming in like a motherly voice and he's talking about like yeah. bob and agnes but it's layered in a way that it like it's not it's, it doesn't sound like just one person talking it's like multiple sounds being like stacked on top of each other so it feels almost otherworldly it's a really cool effect yeah and like the implication there is that it's one man doing all these weird voices in a very unhinged way and it's like they have no idea what this weird backstory is and like you never know what his <laughs> motivation is but you can kind of like glean or assume things and like unlike michael myers who is very much a force of nature in a way in the sense that like he kind of does these kills without the same sort of reason where it feels like this is a weird unhinged dude who just has always been this way or maybe snapped and decided to mm -hmm. kill people. And he's been killing people and raping people around town before he just descended on this house. And he's still not captured because the police are like incompetent in like uh -huh. kind of a realistic way. Like they're doing all the things you would expect them to do in a more realistic <laughs> way and not like an action movie sort of way, which we get in a lot of these horror movies where it's like, yeah, they would just overlook that, I guess. They just didn't check mm -hmm. the attic because they didn't think to check the attic for some reason because they weren't right. being thorough. And they ne it never would have occurred to them, even though when they are like, oh, the call's coming from inside the house. Okay. And then they just latch on to the most obvious suspect, which is Peter. Which Even is though, like, like, Jess says, he couldn't have been calling because I was on the phone with the killer when he, like, came in. It couldn't have been him. So she even deduces that it's not him, but the police well, say- no, she, she says he was there at the house because they hadn't put together that the calls were coming from inside the oh, house. Oh, okay. That was it. Okay. But he, he does, <laughs> she hangs up the phone and then two beats later, he walks down the stairs because okay. I- Okay. He was walking there down was the stairs. I thought he was coming through the front door for some reason. I thought he was- No, he was like, I was upstairs sleeping. No, you weren't. You don't <laughs> sleep. You're too house. angry at the piano. We got to talk about this guy too. This guy oh is- Oh my God, yeah. My man <laughs> he's unhinged. is doing, he's in the middle of doing his master's thesis about so the piano. <laughs> he's doing a, a big piano thesis He's, he's like presented as a tortured artist type and yeah. as if that's supposed to justify like him being an absolute asshole to her or something. And then, yeah, we do, we see his piano recital. So sorry, I just want to set that up. <laughs> he's so... Okay, so he's just had this giant bomb dropped on him, right? His girlfriend's pregnant. She's not keeping the baby. He wants her to keep the baby. So he sweats a lot while he's playing. Mm -hmm. And we get this stone And, like, kind of whips around, like, the way he's, like, moving. Yeah. Like, he's getting so into it, but, like, not in a good way. And it does not sound good. Like, I'm not an expert on musical performances, but even I could <laughs> tell, like, ugh. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting you say that because i could not tell i was like oh, really? i needed the next scene and they do it do it in like the next time we see him where he's like it didn't go well but i did need somebody to tell me like that was bad or was he playing so passionately because they were just like it was a giant room with just three chairs in the middle and the thesis mm -hmm. masters uh the men in robes who decide your fate are just sitting there looking at him blank and i was like i don't know this sounds pretty good <laughs> i'm not like a classically trained pianist and then the very next scene 
he takes a mic stand to his open piano and smashes it to hell. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you don't own that piano, bro. You got to pay that back <laughs> to the school. Those things are really expensive. I don't know what you think you're doing, but now you're in debt also. And you didn't like clear your thesis. The movie doesn't have any evidence and for this. And you're going to blame it on your girlfriend, dude. Like, <laughs> But I am so confident this man is rich. I am so confident this is a child of wealth. There's no way he got... Yes, yes, the entitlement. Yeah, that's the perfect way. The the Simply demanding what you want uh, out of another person and being surprised when they don't acquiesce. Yeah, this is a child of wealth. Yeah. He's just a red herring. It's like this really interesting... Like I I usually don't like it when there's two unusual things happening. There's a crazy person and a boyfriend who sure seems like a killer... Um, but I kind of like it. I kind of like that it's just like there's a lot going on in this movie. Everybody's kind of going like there's another little girl that's just missing. And that kind of plays into the plot, I guess. But like yeah. doesn't really. Um, we, I guess, are left to piece together that it's that this guy doing it. Or maybe it was just a random crime. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's kind of informing the fact that he's just doing random acts of violence for like a reason that you can't really comprehend. Because sometimes people just want to hurt other people, I guess. I think that's what makes me like this movie so much is like, A, knowing that it is the first slasher movie. It's like, usually I don't give a movie credit for this. And if I didn't, I think this movie is a great character movie. I think a lot of these characters yeah. are so much fun. I especially love Margot Kidder. Um, but like the cop and the, the Claire's weird dad is just like this stuck yeah. up Christian guy who's just like, I don't like the atmosphere in this sorority house. Yeah, and I'm going like, to stop it. it. Him interacting with the house He's just got other shit going on. Uh, I think I like this movie for the characters so much that I forgive a lot of the, like, bizarre plotting and the, like, it's almost like this shaggy movie where there's just, like, a lot of things going on in it. But I sort of like all of them, and they all, like, the way that this movie wraps up by just saying, like, yeah, this killer's still around, and he's still evil, and he's still within the house, like... It made it clear that this was not going to be a movie that answered questions or provided any sort of satisfactory resolution. It was just like this scary thing is still around. It feels almost realistic in a way. Like, obviously, it's it's hyped Mm. up for being a movie, you know, with the characters in particular. But there's just something about how, yeah, there's so many horrible crimes that happen in real life that never get solved or like Mm -hmm. police incompetence or looking over one thing, not being thorough enough allow someone to get away and keep murdering you know like think about how many times there's this escalation where if someone is stalking that's like a gateway to them possibly killing someone but then like when you try to report the stalking it's not taken seriously until someone dies so they're like oh yeah we can't arrest him unless you die and then it's like great cool i'll be dead so then what's the Uh point like i know this person is dangerous so it kind of gives that sense that like they're not taking this crime seriously really and even when they do, they're just like, well, okay, we dust off our hands. We got our killer because that's the first guy we saw. So that had to be it. <laughs> Case closed. We did a good job. But also, I would argue, like, if if this were a real crime, it probably would be that guy. It would be the guy with anger problems who was yeah. just thwarted for potentially the first time in his life. And I, I don't know. Like, Well, he honestly kinda... felt like he could become that. That guy was just a couple steps away oh, from sure. becoming yeah. a killer, too. He just happened to not be this particular killer this time. I think it's it almost feels like the movie sets him up to be in a position where he could be the killer. That like when Jess kills him at the end, like this movie ultimately builds to this moment where Jess theoretically overcomes the killer by slaughtering this man who has been attempting to control her life. And it happens off screen also. 
Yeah, she's just which like, isn't great. Yeah, she's just kind of like unconscious with his dead body uh-huh. on top of her. I was shocked. Um, I thought they were both dead. Which yeah, I, I thought, thought would have so been a, too. I thought it so seemed too. like they were building towards. Oh, this got the the boyfriend is not the killer. There's another killer, and he got them both. Yeah, but it kind of it almost gets into this Twilight Zoney like she killed her boyfriend, but like it, it's almost a happy ending for her that she got to kill this guy who was making her life horrible. Yeah. So I, I kind of I, I feel like this movie doesn't really have any <laughs> big idea to it. It's got little strands of like a, a woman taking matters into her own hands. It's got little stretches of like, I don't know, like pro. It, it feels like it's kind of like this endorsement of sexuality in, in college, whereas like we've got this silly yeah, blundering more man. layered female characters where it's yeah. like, yeah, they can be messy like Barb and still be sympathetic because she's like a well-rounded person like not everybody mm-hmm. is going to be very good or very evil one way or another you know they feel more a house written like actual people yeah the house yes. mother we haven't really talked about her but she's fun the house mother is like really on the girl's side and like mm-hmm. loves joking about sex and stuff with them and then it, yeah she's also just fucking lit the whole movie she has little caches of booze. yeah she's got secret hiding places <laughs> yeah which I don't know. That's not ideal. Like, I was, I found myself worried about her, like, not because of the killer, but I was like, this is yeah. a, a path to destruction, uh, which is very fun. It's just like, it felt like a, a nice detail for this character who ultimately didn't have a ton to do. Like, but she had not just the funny caches of booze, but also this very funny scene with Claire's father where she's like mm-hmm. trying to cover up all the sexy posters they have up at the sorority house. Uh-huh. It's like no character just has a thing. They all had like a couple of things that was sort of like, and, and I guess the flattest character is Claire and it's just because we spend no time with her. She just yeah. immediately gets killed. But like every character has like a bunch of little details to them that are kind of contradictory in the way that people really are. And mm-hmm. it's really fascinating juxtaposed with the kind of tropes we end up getting from the slasher genre moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's To the a point good where point. even like Cabin in the Woods was like making fun of it. It's like, you're the jock, you're the slut, you're the party animal, you're the guy who knows uh, horror movies. Like, the roles got so rigid, and this movie is v- almost intentionally, it seems like, subverting these character archetypes. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cabin in the, the Woods movie. does that to an extent because it's trying to force that's these true. characters to be shoehorned into that when they're not really like that. But like that's so kind I, of I do feel like, like yeah it's, that's it's a comment on how far horror yeah. went down uh-huh. this this tropey uh, direction exactly this movie kind of rules like I I generally am somebody who like oh it's the first time a movie did this who gives a shit it's still a shitty movie but like this is a good movie in a way that slash not a lot of slasher movies like it's not a good slasher movie it's kind of just a good movie yeah that led to slasher movies if that mm-hmm. tracks yeah I think that's a very good way to sum it up. Especially, like, I know when you see Halloween and then Friday the 13th and, like, everything that kind of came after it. Mm-hmm. Which, in a way, maybe they're kind of, like, products of different perspectives of the times. Uh, when this came out in 74, feminism was on the rise and it was more mm-hmm. of a talking point. But even then, it was kind of controversial for the time. Mm. Um, and then, like, with Halloween... I mean, we talked about the Halloween in its very own episode at length mm-hmm. where, like... Carpenter said, I didn't intend for it to be, oh, the pe- only the people having sex get killed, and that's that's a moral comment, but that's, like, mm-hmm. how it came across for yeah. a lot of folks. 
And then, like, just kind of showing how it dominoed with different kind of thoughts at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, with Friday the 13th, they were just like, well, that's popular, so we're just going to make something like it so we can make a bunch of money. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they did, and they just wanted, like, did. an excuse to show tits, which actually, in this movie, there there's no sex scene, there's no revealing girl. Yeah. Aside from that poster, there's, like, one poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's <laughs> just like, like two a people butt. Sex? Yeah, it's just showing a butt. <laughs> so it's like not very revealing or anything like that. It's its goal is not to be titillating in some way. It's trying to just be a movie and say something, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And it's more focused on like the horror of it instead of that other part of it that seemed to leak in at some point where they want to make it. Oh, yeah. The. You can go to see a horror movie that's a slasher movie because you know there's going to be boobs and kills. That is not how it started. What if you were horny while you were scared? Yeah, exactly. What if? Which also, I mean, I get it. Like, if it's just about, like, stimuli that are, that we know our brain will respond yeah. to, it's like, yeah, jump scares and tits. That's well, I think I also brought up the great. point, too, like, you were very vulnerable when you were naked. And you're very that's vulnerable yeah. when you're in this position where you're occupied with another person like that, too. Mm-hmm. So, like... I wish that was kind of highlighted more instead of it just being like, here's boobs. But like, uh-huh. I, I think there is something to be said with, with using that as a plot device. And you can use that without it being just for the sake of being uh, sexy, I guess. But that's kind of not what ended up happening <laughs> with the genre as and a whole. And God bless it. And God bless it for, <laughs> for going that direction. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. Roxy, did you know that this was... Um, and I don't know if this is necessarily the origin of it, but did you know this was a The Call Was Coming From Inside the House movie? Um, I didn't know that until we got to that point. And I, I don't know if it's the first instance of doing that, but it's a very early instance of doing that. It does feel like that's a a trope in and of itself. That like It is now, we, yeah. We always talk about like, how, or maybe we haven't talked about it. I don't remember. How there's no like perfect movie you can point to as like, that's the best Frankenstein movie. Or mm. that's the best, uh, like, these kind of, like, tro- like that's the best girl died two years ago on this very day, but then who did I give a ride home to movie? Mm-hmm. Like, these kind of ephemeral trope movies. Like, this movie felt like it was okay, building. like Urban Legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie was building to a call was coming from inside the house reveal, but they kind of gave it away. <laughs> A bunch of times beforehand. Well, yeah. I mean, the opening movie shows the guy moving into the attic, yeah. basically. And then that's what after you hear the first call um, after he moves in there. So this is this yeah. is why it's actually so disheartening for me to hear that the remakes are bad, because a remake that like saves that for the halfway point or like towards the end of the movie and we get to find out in the same moment that the character finds out would be so effective and scary. And at the way that information is relayed in this movie is probably my least favorite part of the movie. And just like, it's kind of this weird clumsy, like I actually really love these shots. It like the phone company, there's like a cop like running through. Oh yeah. (laughs) These uh, giant stacks of phone receiving boxes, I guess it feels very, um, all the president's men. Like he's just like (laughs) in the source of information and looking for something very cool Mm -hmm. shots, but it's just like, it's slowly doling out this information. And by the time it's revealed to Jess, we've heard that and seen that four or five times. So it's kind of like, it's almost another double beat that this movie is 
crammed full of where it's just like yeah yeah we already know that information i think that's why it just feels like there's too many of those calls as well because yeah we since Mm -hmm. we do already know he is the call is coming from inside the house like yeah it's very redundant they don't and they don't heighten ever the the calls are kind of they're kind of the same the whole they time. They do when he like quotes the conversation to her, but then he does it I guess, twice. Yeah, that was... He does it on like the next yes. call then also. So it's like, yeah. okay. And also that first quote is from when they were in the conservatorium or whatever. <laughs> when he's like, you're talking about getting rid of our baby, like getting rid of a wart or something. And like, he, that's one of the things he yells at her at the school. And then the killer quotes that back to her on the phone. So it's like, what did you he think hear the that, killer, actually? Do you think the killer is a secret agent and uh. has meticulously booby-trapped and bugged these people's, not just sorority house, but entire lives? Ah, okay. Mm, I was think thinking he was hiding in the conservatory attic, and so he also heard it because he was living no, in that No, no, I attic. think it's much more likely that he's an advanced technological spy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, he does communicate via the phone, which is technology. So, you know, that makes that tracks. Hey, where's the lie? (laughs) Where's the lie? I don't see one. (laughs) So, Mikey, we enjoyed this movie, but let's give it an actual a rating using our rating system, which is the severed thumb. Mm -hmm. Mikey, out of five severed thumbs, what would you give this movie? I'm going to give it three and a half thumbs out of five. Okay. And so I'm going to just snip one of those thumbs in half. Oh, it's a big, thick man's thumb. I'm just gonna... Okay, I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I did a little splatter on you, Roxy. Yeah, uh, it's not great. <laughs> no, I... This movie is a, a little formless. It is not a clear, linear story. It is um, wooly and, and goes off the beaten path a lot. So much of it is great. So much of it is funny, and it's just like... These again, these interesting little characters like totally saved it for me. I actually wrote down three thumbs out of five, and then I went back and I was like, "Nah, but that cop was funny. Like that cop <laughs> is a point five thumb in and of itself." Um, couldn't get there all the way just because it, it again, it's like got some pretty clear like dragging scenes. It kind of reiterates a lot of information we already know. And also, one last complaint I have about this movie doesn't use the sorority house setting very well it doesn't really Mm. feel like a sorority house world like we needed to see the big party we needed to see some like gossiping we needed to see like an election of the sorority house president and so then they can all like backstab each other a little bit like like, we need a little more they're having a christmas party but it's like very low-key it's not like what you would expect to see it's like you know, maybe five girls and some of their dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much, what it's it close. Is. It's closer to like adult roommates <laughs> having yeah, a little yeah, Christmas yeah. soirée as opposed to a sorority, which is sexy and fun and big and trashy. Like it's got all well, these tropes that's something that you want to like play in. Makes it a little more grounded in a way because it's never going to be as crazy as it is on in movies normally. Like I've never been to an actual sorority house, but I'm assuming I've... it's probably somewhere in between the, what we see in this movie and what we see in hollywood movies probably (laughs) it's not um, quite so crazy i have never been in a fraternity or a sorority but my girlfriend has and has relayed to me some very wild stories that makes me think a sorority might in fact be as wild really i mean it's one anecdote but it's just like yeah it's like the things you expect to happen in a sorority 
if you're setting your movie in that world, I feel like a little bit of the promise of that premise is like we're going to see this crazy yeah. thing happen in the world of sororities. And we kind of don't get that half of the math equation, which I'm missing. Yeah. I don't know. I loved it so much. 3.5. That's a huge score for me. I don't give away thumbs easily. <laughs> what score would you so, give it, Rox? Okay. So, Mikey, I actually gave it a 3.5 out of 5 as well. Ooh. It's the right score. Yeah, I mean, like, th- this is one of the few times I think where we've had the exact same score. We've gotten kind of close a couple of times, but yeah, mm-hmm. 3.5 for me. I think it it works so well, so much better than I thought it would, especially for being like a landmark movie in the horror genre. It it does have, I, I agree with you, and I I think there are a couple of scenes that are just, they go on for too long, or there's too many of them. Mm-hmm. But there's so many fun characters. I think a lot of them are, while being exaggerated, are also surprisingly realistically written. So many of the performances are just really good. The themes they're working with are very interesting. And just the ending it feels kind of so realistic in a way where it's like, yeah, the killer got away literally due to like incompetence and oversight. <laughs> and the final girl actually isn't really safe. She's, uh, <laughs> she's. Who knows what's going to happen to her? Yeah. There's kind of no like easy answers in this whole movie. Are yeah. There? They just kind of like let you revel in the darkness of what happened here. Yeah. Which like sometimes mm. not getting closure can feel very, I don't know, disappointing or just kind of like, oh, well, what was the point of that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like you didn't give me an entire movie. Like, what the heck? But I think this this movie manages to balance that line where it feels like it's kind of the point or it feels like it mm-hmm. is. It. I by the end of it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. That's fine. <laughs> I don't feel like I wasted my time here. Oh, it's a good one. So yeah, three point five. So Mikey, do you have a question for me? I do, Roxy. These sorority sisters clearly do not go into their attic very often. <laughs> oh, <you laughs> they sure left. Don't. I would. I would not be surprised to hear that uh, Claire and Mrs. Max's bodies are in that attic to this very day. Yep. Uh, all that means is that these girls probably have a bunch of stuff up in the attic that they've totally forgotten about. What is something that you put into storage and totally forgot about only to later be surprised that you still had it? Uh, So something that I found, because I don't have an attic, what am I, some sort of rich person? I just had some stuff in storage that my parents sent me, like, from my childhood. And something mm-hmm. I was really surprised by is that I kept a ton of movie ticket stubs, like every movie ticket stub oh. from like middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing is so many of those ticket stubs were like faded that you couldn't even read what they were for. Oh, anymore. no. Because of, like either the paper, or the ink or age or all three of those things. Um, so I could read some of the more recent ones. Um, but it was like, cool. I kept these as like a snapshot of my childhood and now i can't even <laughs> reference them anymore because they're all faded so now it's just a little a bunch of faded slips of tiny slips of paper that's i mean that's cool but, to know that you did go see a movie yeah i mean like there were so many of them that was kind of one of the few things to do like in my hometown because <laughs> you just go to the mall go shop and see a movie Mm-hmm. Eat some pizza. That was that was very much a lot of my middle school and high school hangouts with friends. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> so it made me think about those times, which was nice. What about mm-hmm. you, Mikey? What's something you forgot about in storage? Now it's like one of my prized possessions, but like I definitely forgot that I when I moved to Los Angeles, I had taken with me this drawing my grandpa had made me when I was a very little kid. 
Like I was super oh. into Sesame Street as a child. And he, um, my grandpa Aww. and grandma used to go to uh, Texas for the winters. So they would send me tons of letters. And my grandpa would do all these weird drawings of the characters he knew I liked. So Aww, I have this so long, like this unfoldable, like um, about as long as like, you know, my full chest and arms expanded out. <laughs> mm, okay. This long That's drawing huge. where he had drawn, it's pretty big. And he had drawn a school bus, and in all the windows were Sesame Street characters. And then at the very end, That's the so last sweet. two windows, it was like a little flap that I could flip up, and it was like, look look to see who's under here. And I flipped it up, and it was pictures of my grandpa and grandma. <laughs> and like, look, there they are. <laughs> and it's just my favorite thing. My grandpa was super into the dumb shit I was into for no reason. He was just my overall favorite person and so excited about about it with you that's so cute it was very cute yeah so when i found that a couple of months into my los angeles excursion i was like oh this is good i'm good glad i have this and i've since got my mom to send me a bunch of other drawings and letters that she had saved for me so i've got just this big fat envelope full of grandpa and grandma drawings and letters that is very dear to me you gotta start framing some of those (laughs) Oh, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. That'd be so good. So, Mikey, last week we made a bet. Mm -hmm. And the bet was how many humans are killed in this movie. (laughs) She need to be specific (laughs) about that now. Was the human kill count Mm -hmm. for Black Christmas 1974. Mikey, you said... I said 11 kills. I said seven. And the answer, Mikey, believe it or not, was actually seven. What a stupid number I picked. Of course there weren't going to be a ton of kills. It's one of the first slasher movies. What are we doing here? I mean, here? it's only like four away. That's still not that bad. That seems that's like a lot. Bad. Honestly, I mean, seven is quite a lot. Um, I thought I was overshooting, to be honest. And then yeah. it turns out it wasn't. Um, well, let's right go on through the money. real quick. We had uh, Claire, who gets strangled, slash suffocated with a plastic bag. We have Mrs. Mack, who takes a hook to the face. We have Janice, a little girl who why is she why why is this in the movie? <laughs> they, like red the herring, dad and I think it's daughter... just escalation also to show that like he's been causing chaos outside of their house. I, I suppose guess. it's so weird to see the dad whose daughter is missing go on a hunt for another little girl who's also missing. It's like I don't yeah. know is that where your focus is? We have Barbed who gets stabbed by a glass unicorn. Phil who is killed off screen at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. Officer Jennings, the cop outside, who gets his throat slashed. And then finally, Peter, who is killed by Jess with a fire poker. Deservedly so. Yep. <laughs> so, Roxy, you did it. You prevailed. You got it exactly right. Seven points. Right. That means the current scores standings are Mikey with 27, Roxy with 34, Ty with regular four. <laughs> Someday I feel like DMBot's going to be like, I claim the ties. They're mine. Now I'm oh, also God. on this. <laughs> we have to stop him. But we can't stop him now because here he is marching over. Mikey and Roxy, I should assign you the Black Christmas remake just for stealing my thunder earlier. But I will be nice rather than naughty and assign you the 1984 film Gremlins. All right, Roxy. So we got Gremlins next week. A Gremlins, truly a Christmas movie. Oh, ow. For all time. Uh, so have you ever seen this movie before, Mikey? Absolutely not. Okay. I, I can't wait. <laughs> I don't to know why I said it that. like I have some moral stance against it. Uh, <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I'm anti pets, so I don't watch it. No, I, I just haven't gotten. <laughs> yeah, like your to tone it. sounded like that, I but know. like when you just break down what you said, it didn't. And I was like, why would Mikey say that? So I just didn't even <laughs> react to the tone at all until you said it. Like, oh yeah, insane. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I am excited to watch it. It's a movie I reference a lot, even though I haven't seen it. Like when you're writing uh any sort of science fiction or like any like magical story, you talk about the gremlins rules the very clear rules that set out what happened and that like you need to give your audience so they can relax into the story and not be like oh how come harry potter can shoot his magic this way and not this way it's like here are the rules this is how it works you can't do this you can do this don't feed them after midnight uh i love we're we're getting we're gonna get so many like animatronic and puppets in this movie mikey can't wait (laughs) that's cool puppet central tight dude all right so how about we make a bet for next week i'd love to so mikey how about what is the timestamp for the first gremlin transformation what do you think i'm going to say 25 minutes in feels like a good time to shift into act two okay again we're on the same wavelength this whole episode Hmm. i guess mikey uh my my guess was 23 minutes okay (laughs) (laughs) it feels like a good sort of time Time yeah. I think we've seen enough movies at this point that we were like, yeah, that's about the time when they'd have a first <laughs> transformation, right? We should just, we're Before basically the first just, 30 minutes. we did an over-under. Is it over or under 24 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hey, maybe it'll be 24 minutes exactly. And then... I'm so confident it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It better be at gonna this point. I'm going to be disappointed if it is not. <laughs> we're going to struggle with it. So, Mikey, we've been talking about a lot of scary things like overbearing boyfriends and police incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) So how about we talk about things that are making us happy this week? So, Mikey, what happened to you that made you happy this week? I went and saw Black Panther 2. Oh, I didn't even realize I was out yet, man. I'm so just going to see the Marvel stuff. That's great, though. It sounds like you enjoyed it. I loved it. So it's, listen, we lost Chadwick Boseman. A, a yeah. year or so ago it is a big heavy God, that was movie just a year ago it might be longer i have no idea it, in my uh, sense of time since pandemic is just all yeah fucked up so yeah anyways but so we lost chadwick boseman is obviously a movie that is addressing that and it is a big heavy movie about grief yeah. it is very oh, wow. sad and just in a heartbreaking way and then they introduce the villain of this movie that is the most bizarre, fucked up, funny, insane what? choice for a villain that I've ever seen. Like, I couldn't believe how silly and stupid the villain was. And it just what? like, it, the, the the villain of this movie is Namur, who is like a mermaid fish man, who like, oh, he's, he's basically the Marvel Universe Aquaman. And it's so funny. It's so funny when he just like, Isn't leaps out of the sea. Isn't he supposed to be a good I don't. I don't know enough. I always knew him as a stuff. villain. I, I wasn't super oh, familiar with the character. Okay. Yeah, I don't uh, know. But he could have been a villain this whole time. I don't. <laughs> he. It's very funny. So we get this movie okay. that is totally jarring, but somehow works. Like there's this. It's like it would have been too much if it was just mourning the loss of this great actor who has taken too young from us and it also would have been way too silly if it was just the fish king coming to attack wakanda the fact that they did both like split it right down the middle it's an awesome movie black panther wakanda forever five severed thumbs up from me okay well that sounds actually very interesting i don't see a lot of marvel movies but i actually want to make an effort to go see this one i think this might be one to see i think this is 
a good one. Yeah, that that sounds rad. Well, okay, mm. and it's got a, got a good thumbs up from you too, Mikey, so yeah. even more reason to go watch it. Roxy, what's making you happy? The thing that's making me happy this week is connected to the thing that scared me last week. Oh. That we talked about, which was I beat the base game for the Outer Wilds. So mm. I beat the Outer Wilds. The whole experience for this game, it like, I have never had a game experience like this before. It was, like, challenging and frustrating, but, like, beautiful and rewarding. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the sense of discovery and how, like, you don't get power-ups or anything like that, but just you learn knowledge that allows you to play the game in a different way. For instance, I, I, won't, I don't want to give spoilers, but just, like, the way that you can move through space can change just from like this one simple thing that like you have to learn just by going to these temples and like decoding stuff but it's something you Mm -hmm. could have done the whole time like if you knew Mm. it you could have done it the whole time and in some cases you could even do it by accident or like you'll see a consequence of this thing of you like pulling off this thing but not understanding it yet so you're like wait what (laughs) um so it just has this very cool sense of discovery and then like the ending was just phenomenal. It was very oh. emotionally poignant and very heartfelt and like uplifting, but also bizarre and had some insane visuals that like I've never seen anywhere else. And just mm. like what you were doing, um, the enormity of it was just, it was so cool. I'm, I'm having to be very vague because I don't want to give any spoilers. Just please play this game. If you like video games, if you like stories, if you want a different experience. I've, I've never played another game like it. Uh, oh, so I was very happy to be rewarded with this game. And now I get to play the DLC, which um, oh. is even more crazy, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Just based on how you technically like unlock it. It's another thing where like I could have been doing it the whole time, but just never noticed mm. this thing that was like right in front of me. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, holy shit, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, great. Just video games are great, Mikey. We, we both had good. some good video Listen, game experiences. <laughs> let's just, it's time to admit it. We've been denying it for too long. I think video games are good. <laughs> it's about time. I've been waiting for you to say it for years, Mikey. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for Haunted Plugs. Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at SecretBlimp. I am on Twitch at twitch.tv slash secret blimp, and I stream Mondays and Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Wonderful. How about you, Rox? I am on Twitter at Red Mage Roxy, and I am on Twitch also as Red Mage Roxy. I stream three days a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Mm. Also, make sure to give us five stars, five scary stars, that is, on your podcast app of choice. Also, leave a review. That helps us out. And don't forget to share and scare this podcast with your friends. And as always, don't sign any contracts offered to you by Demon Robot. See you next week. Mm-hmm.